Hello and welcome to The Generation Gap. This is the programme where me, Clive, um, talks to people of different generations. I'm a baby boomer, so I'm really old these days. Um, And I talk to young people, particularly uh, millennials, and ask them about all sorts of things and see if we can agree on things or if we disagree all the time. Actually, we usually agree, so let's see how it goes this week. Um, So this time I'd like to welcome back Hannah, who's been here before. So hello, Hannah. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining me. Now, Hannah, um, we're going to talk about some of the things you've been doing because you've actually gone through quite an interesting time recently. Um, You're at university and you're just about to start in your second year, I believe, aren't you? Uh, Yeah, yeah. So it's literally probably next week because we've had the freshers week for everyone now. Um, But also what you've done, which I think is very impressive and a big leap really for you, is that you move from the village where you uh, been brought up completely and lived until recently in Hertfordshire, which is Kimpton. Now, I look, just look this up. Kimpton's population is about 2,000 people, so that's really quite small, isn't it? Uh, and yeah. <laughs> obviously, you're used to living living there, and you now have moved to a little place called London. So it's oh, quite yes. a big shock, I imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, um, it's really quite uh, strange at times, um, the, the noise, I'd say, especially. Um <laughs> So uh, just apologies in advance if you hear a siren or a loud moped. They're usually mopeds everywhere. <laughs> so apologies in advance. So you're in one of those places where the sirens are going off all the time as the police are chasing around and fire engines and all that sort of thing. Pretty much, yeah. And I guess it's kind of reassuring to know that police are around because I guess um, your parents <laughs> may have a habit of um, saying, I'll oh, keep your bag close to you and um, just be careful um, <laughs> about it was just the general crime of the area but um you know police are always around and um i do actually feel quite safe here right well you've already sort of given a good indication of some of the things which are very different i imagine that the police sirens are fairly rare in kimpton oh um, god yeah but okay so i mean obviously obviously you've been to london lots of times before um but it's a bit different when you move there and you're living there because you've got to sort of reorientate yourself completely about where the nearest shops or whatever are um, and also you've got to sort of get used to, I suppose, obviously na- different neighbours and all the rest of it. Have you, have you met any neighbours yet? Um, uh, just odd people um, in the corridor and stuff. I'm, I don't actually have any neighbours where, where my um, my flat is situated. So um, there's kind of a corridor of flats and then you come out of a door and then there's it's kind of like a, there's the step, there's fire exit down one side and there's some stairs the other side and then it's my front door. So I don't actually have any people um, uh, right or left of me. I probably have someone above me, but um, that's about it really. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that sounds fine. Obviously it's a very, very exciting thing to do. So um, mm. you've presumably you've moved there because you're then much nearer the um, university. Is that right? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm about a 40 minute walk. So um, if it's the morning and I'm feeling energetic, I, I might go and um, do that walk. But um, no, there is a bus that goes, um, I'm right next to like a main road. So there's buses going up and down this big long road, um, pretty much like every four minutes. I was like, back home, it was like four buses every day. And now it's like four buses every minute. It's a bit crazy. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So, I mean, but you've you got used to that. How, how long have you actually been um, living there now? It's been over the summer, presumably. Um, since I moved to where I am now, it's only been about a month. So I stayed, um, I stayed in Kimpton during lockdown. Um, I moved, when I when I was living in London for my first year, I moved back around um, April, just before the um, the last term of the academic year started. 
So how are you getting on? I mean, is it you, you've got to do other things, of course, now. You've got to look after yourself. I mean, presumably you, you know how to cook things in just open tins of beans and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, mum was sure to um, supply me with plenty of uh, <laughs> tins and um, ready noodles and stuff like that I don't think she has a lot of faith in me that I'm gonna <laughs> cook much but um I try and cook as much as I can um my boyfriend um tries to teach me a lot of recipes and it's just a lot of um you know get veg in a pan get um some sort of pasta in a pan and um just throw together kind of meals that's probably the most cooking that I do but um they contain a lot of veg which I try and do <laughs> as much as I can right that sounds well, it sounds good. I mean, it's one of those things probably when you're sitting at home, you said, oh, no, parents are sitting here watching Jamie Oliver or somebody like that. Why do they bother? It's not interesting. Who's ever going to want to cook? I can just pick up my phone and they deliver it to thy door. Why don't they want to do anything else? <laughs> yeah, I try not to do that too much. Um, just for the sake of not really being lazy. And um, I try and be careful of what I eat um, and stuff. But um no, London has its um, takeaway delicacies. <laughs> I'm quite lucky to indulge in. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to stereotype you and you haven't quite jumped into the trap there because you're... Uh, no, you're not uh, getting me. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> no. getting you on that one. No, no, okay. Well, of course, now the London that you're living in is, of course, not the London that everyone is normally used to because lots of things are shut. And there's lots of things you can't do now. Um, or if you can, it's sort of very difficult. Um, I mean... Have you been out to places, um, I mean, like restaurants, cafes and so on? I mean, or do you want to do that or do you not want to do that? I mean, how, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, um, usually to do those kinds of things, you would go out with a group of people. And um, since I'm not really like in my first year, I was living in a big um, student accommodation with other people. And um, now I'm actually on my own. So um, I haven't. I, I guess um, like my boyfriend's come to see me and like people have come to see me and stuff like that. So um, we've. And you do find a lot of cafes are open. Like I went down Upper Street um, the other day, which is like Islington's main um, road, town centre, and um, a lot of stuff was open. And um, it is kind of mainly down to consumers, really, just to keep safe. It seems that a lot of visitors are treating it as. But um, no, a lot of stuff is really like because of the transport. I've um, I- I've managed to go back to Hertfordshire quite a few times, and. Um, I think oh, like I went bowling the other day. Um, that was all fine and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because obviously one of the things that's happened around here is that lots of people um, commuted into London, obviously daily, and they were told they could work from home and they love it. And uh, we found obviously somewhere like St Albans, for example, I think they have about before the uh, problem started, it was something like um, 15, 16,000 people every day commuting. And that's gone down drastically to about 25% of that. Um, and obviously people have found out they can work from home. And actually, to be fair, many businesses have realised actually people working from home are doing a good job and are managing to actually often do more work perhaps than before. Although obviously it has some limitations, but these days with the famous Zoom and all the other things, people can <laughs> just keep in touch. And I think an awful lot of people, if you ask them, just say, well, I don't really want to go back to commuting, certainly not every day. And I think we are going to have a pattern where people are going to be going back and forth, maybe, you know, a couple of times a week, perhaps into their office, um, if that. And uh, I think that's probably going to be quite a sort of significant change for everybody, or after all this finishes. So how have you found travelling back? I mean, presumably you have to just get the train back, the old Thamesink. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. And um, I only found out recently, like before this, I was paying for tickets. Um, luckily, I had um, luckily I had a rail card, which uh, made it a little bit cheaper. But um, Wellin, which is um, somewhere I tend to go quite a lot because um, I used to go to college there. I have friends there. And um, turns out the um, the Oyster card, so the ability to pay contactless by just tapping your card at the gate, um, has been extended to Wellin, and it's a lot cheaper than buying tickets. So um, wish I knew that before, <laughs> really. Yes, I didn't know it'd go that far. I mean, I know it's been moved out from some places. It hasn't got quite as far as St Albans yet, as far as I know, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, well, uh, that's actually a good, good, good system. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I'm pretty sure it's in Harpenden, which is um, the stop after St Albans, so I'm, I'm, I, oh. I think it should be extended to there. Yeah, okay, maybe it is. I, I haven't been on the train for a long time, I have to say, because mm-hmm. um, all the reasons I used to go to London were things like conferences, and they've all been cancelled for some reason. That's fair enough, anyway. for some reason. So obviously the other thing is, I mean, some things in London now are open. Some of the museums have opened up again, art galleries, that sort of thing. Is that the kind of stuff you might want to be able to do? Um, I know last year I um, I did go to the Tate Modern, which was... um which was quite good actually. Um, I went. To, there was um, this amazing lights exposition where someone was uh, just making, um, just managed to manipulate lights into making artwork and um, stuff like that. But um, like I said, I am. Um, I've. Uh, I'm not living with other students anymore. So um, maybe who knows. <laughs> I mean, it's very difficult. I, I did something. I was a bit older than you when it happened to me. I moved out and I, I moved into a big city and had a flat and so on. It took a while to get used to um, how to live there by yourself and, and being by yourself, which obviously is potentially quite difficult. And obviously at the moment, lots of people are finding they've got to live by themselves and it's not easy for them. Um, I think when you're younger, maybe it's a bit little easier, but it's still a big shock. And um, I think uh, well, well done for getting as far as you have, I think. <laughs> Thank you. It, um, yeah, it was um, did take a while, and it was a bit of um, there were ups and downs to it. Definitely, um, I was actually supposed to move in with one other person, but um, I think for the same reason you said your daughter was thinking um, about not moving back was um, because she thought she didn't have to be um, there as much. And um, I think we had three viewings for two bedroom flats, and the day before. Um, my my roommate said, um, "Look, I don't really think this is for me anymore." <laughs> so it was a nightmare. Well, it is is difficult. I mean, uh, now your college, um, sorry, it is a university. I should call it a university. That's, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, now you're studying. Uh, we we talked about this before. You're studying basically um, audio. Is that? I'm not quite sure what you call it. Basically, it's uh, working with with sound equipment and so on. Yeah, so recording. Yeah, pretty much. So um, recording, um, production. Uh, I also have a module where they teach you how to DJ as well, and um, they teach you about um, like record deals and branding. It's um, it's very versatile, and they just um, you you get to learn a lot about um, music industry in general. Right. Well, of course, the music industry has been in rather difficult situation because uh, most of what they do is. um, live performances which is where they make all their money and so on and none of those have happened this year to put it mildly uh no it's been um it's been very very difficult um but um you you definitely see how um it kind of separates people who are able to grow above it and um you see new djs and new singers and um producers um invest a lot more in their social following and um their virtual following and their ability to get um an audience that way and people have managed to get like paying um 
subscribers or paying people just to see a virtual concert i think um bts one of the um one of the biggest um i think they're like a they're, they're a boy band one of the biggest boy bands in the world at the moment i have, they, I have heard of them yes <laughs> yes <laughs> one of the biggest boy bands in the world they managed to get um i think a good few thousand probably million people to pay 75 pounds for a virtual ticket to um for a virtual concert sorry my stats aren't correct but um they they made a concert's worth by not even making a live concert <laughs> i did i did watch a, a play a production by the abbey theater in st albans uh, a week or two ago and basically we had to um it was obviously online, but it was a live performance online, and we just had to pay for a ticket not not seventy five pounds though I have to say <laughs> um, <laughs> that was quite fun it was very well done and they had about five people on stage as part of the play, and that was um obviously enabled them to be suitably distanced and all the rest of it um and that did work quite well, but obviously it's quite an effort to put that on and it's uh something which I suppose a lot of people would struggle with because um it's not quite the same as being there, is it? And you can do that for business meetings. You can chat away on Zoom and all the rest of it. But for something where you want to sort of appreciate the the music and the rest of it, if you're watching a music performance on a sort of tinny little laptop, it's not quite the same as having the the sound beaming out or booming out at you in the in a theatre or something. Hmm. But then, so I suppose that's obviously all this happening while you're learning about these things actually gives you an insight into all the things people can do to kind of get around this and find new ways of doing things. So it's probably quite exciting, actually. Yeah, it's been very interesting, um, for sure. And um, like I said, when, when you're put through such a, um, a tough time like this for a, what industry you work you work in, um, it really kind of separates um, the people who can step up to the occasion and, um, like... The amount of like new artists and new songs who have um, made fa- become famous through um, through TikTok is um, is amazing, and um, I think someone I went to someone I'm going to university with um, his first ever song, um, first time he's um, released to like platforms like Spotify and s- stuff like that. I think his song was used on TikTok about 15 million times. And he's the same age as me. He's a producer. He's a DJ. And um, I just think it's an incredible achievement. <laughs> oh, you've, you've hit that thing. You see, it happens to everybody. That's the person I was at school with. How come they got their own TV series? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this kind of thing. And there's one guy I was at school with and I found out about him. Someone said, oh, yeah, he's a producer in Hollywood. And I started seeing his name at the end of film credits thinking, oh, how do you do that? so there's always somebody who does that yes but good luck to him and that's obviously excellent i mean there's a guy who does um pub quizzes once a week online on on youtube and he's now got hundreds of thousands of people following him in the way which he didn't before and obviously a lot of the pubs are actually using it as a sort of local pub quiz yeah (laughs) how would you have thought of that Exactly. Like I said, it's it's, um, it's people adapting. It's businesses have to adapt, and um, the fact that they've managed to um, crack the code like that is um, is fantastic. And you know, people aren't in complete uh, arrears in that in that sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite interesting. Um, right. So then, the other things about moving to London. I mean, what were your expectations of moving to London? Was it really just about being close to? to the university so you can get there easier and obviously getting away from your 
home and your parents and everything <laughs> else. At some point, you have to break away from them. Um, and <laughs> going to university is probably a good time to do it, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, um, the main thing was, um, I-, I guess, just freedom, really, because um, unlike... Uh, I guess my other peers um I actually struggled to um to drive um I still don't have my driver's license yet so um living in a a village with not the best um thing of transport and probably not wanting to use transport right now um lockdown was a bit tough in that sense but um yeah got bad news about driving if you want to pass your test you can apply now or you can try but last time i looked it's three hundred and fifty thousand people in the backlog oh my god <laughs> yeah because my daughter's been trying i mean she's been doing lessons and then said oh i'll see if i can get a test forget it um well because they haven't there's a period obviously the whole lockdown period they didn't do any at all and so that's that's the sort of numbers i suppose it's not really surprising for six months worth yeah um, but obviously, how on earth they're going to catch up on that, I don't know. Perhaps they'll start doing virtual driving tests. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I, I don't know if that's a business that really should be adapting too much because I can just see a lot of loopholes and maybe people might be able to cheat. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm obviously being a bit facetious about that. I don't really think it would be possible. I mean, you can do <laughs> very good simulator things these days. And in fact... Um, I think I think in some like Germany they do this where you can actually do a lot of driving lessons on a simulator, um, and obviously you can choose your car and so say I want this VW this or BMW something <laughs> else to learn on, and um, and you can actually go and obviously do a lot of stuff before you actually sit in a real car and do it for real. But I think you do have to do it for real, even though we're still reading about all these autonomous cars we're going to have any day now. Uh, or next year or in five years time or 10 years time where you just presumably like in your village you would have just called up a a car and it would arrive outside your house you get in and say take me to so and so and it just drive you there yeah (laughs) and that is um that has proved quite handy (laughs) i think it it probably is going to happen one day but i'm not quite convinced that it's um as soon as they sort of talking about um but we'll see okay um right so obviously anyway we wouldn't want a car in London anyway. I don't drive in London. I, I think that's n- not really a good idea at all. I think most people living in central London don't really have cars. They do use taxis and and um, Ubers and things like that all everywhere. What, why wouldn't you? Mm, exactly. And cycling and mopeds are probably um, outweighing cars, to be honest. And uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think cycling is quite good, actually, especially where they've got proper cycle lanes, which they haven't everywhere. Um, in some of the suburbs, there's quite good cycling lanes. And uh, I mean, if you've got a 40 minute walk, I guess that's probably a sort of 15 minute cycle ride. If you had a bike, I don't know if you've got a bike or not. Oh, I'm afraid I don't. So um, that might be an investment, but like, you can get on like Boris bikes. And I think Uber are also inve- investing in a um, pay as you go um, cycling uh, scheme. I've seen a few of those around. Uh, Lime have also got one. I think Lime are introducing um, electric scooters as well. So um, I think pay pay-as-you-go transport is um, definitely going to be on the rise. I keep reading about electric scooters and how you're not allowed to drive them on the roads or the pavements. Uh, and I have noticed even around here out in Hertfordshire, there are people with electric scooters already running around on the pavements. Well, on, on, on the road or pavement, where are you supposed to ride them? I don't I think you're only supposed to ride them at the moment on private property. Oh, right. Yeah. It's obviously ridiculous in terms of using them for commuting, but it seems to make sense. Um, They they are a bit, 
I'm not sure how safe they are because um, there's no obligation to wear a helmet or anything, which I think I'd want to if I was using something like that. Yeah, I think um, well, that's what I was just watching this morning before I came on, and um, this was um, the story they were talking about. It was just like, look, just ride them wherever you want, park them where you're allowed to, but just make it so you have to wear a helmet because that's <laughs> that's just something that people can't seem to understand at the moment. Well, I do remember when my children were small, actually, they had, one of them had a scooter and it was really good. And I thought it was really excellent. I went zooming off on the scooter and it hit a sort of little curb somewhere and fell over and bashed my nose. I didn't break it, Ooh. luckily, but I could have done. <laughs> I thought, ooh, perhaps, perhaps I just need to be a bit more careful. Yes. <laughs> You're starting back at university next week. Um, you are going to be able to do some actual real face-to-face things or in real life, as we say these days, don't we? Um, yeah. But you're still going to have quite a lot of Zoom-type things, I imagine. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, um, we, we get told as um, as the week begins, really. Um, so my timetable says, luckily on my timetable, it says um, both of my modules this week, at least, I can go into class. Um, whether or not that will swap around um, next week, I'm... Um, I'm not sure, but um, no, it's um, they seem to have um, been handling it pretty well. Um, it's just uh, maybe informing and hopefully knowing a bit further in advance is always is always a bit more helpful. <laughs> well, I, I know because um, obviously my, my daughter is at university in Sheffield, and uh, also um, my son actually works for Hertfordshire University, so they've been doing a huge amount of work to try and sort out obviously um, one-way systems and all the other sort of rules and regulations and things they need to do because they're suddenly going to have, I think it's about more than 10,000 students arrive and you've got to obviously have um, smaller classes. Um, You've got to plan out the timetable so that people don't all sort of meet in the middle of a corridor going in opposite directions. They Mm. literally have to plan out how they travel from any one room to any other room as part of the timetable system. It is incredibly complicated. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine with the amount of people. Christ. But, but also, I mean, I guess probably your your classes are not very large in terms of numbers of people. Obviously, some subjects in some uh, areas, you'd have typically 60 or more people in, in a class. And um, you can't really fit those into a room or a lecture theatre without with having your social distances. So they have to split it into two or more classes. And again, um, that, that becomes yeah. difficult. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we're going to do, like, we're not, uh, we are kind of run a bit like a college, um, as you as, as you say, but um, so we don't have, like, 60-odd people in a massive lecture hall. Um, we are run a bit more like um, classes than lectures. But, um, no, it's because of, even though our classes are quite small, the classrooms um, can accommodate for them. So we still have to kind of get split into two. And um, so we have as much space as possible, I think. No, I mean, it's very difficult. And obviously, it's a question of also having to remember this all the time, isn't it? When you're going anywhere and doing anything, um, you have to remember that to keep that separation and the rest of it, because that does seem to be the most important element of all this. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, well, I wish you very, uh, you know, a lot of luck with how it all goes. Um, and obviously, um, it's going to be bit tricky for the next three months because the prime minister did say the other day that this may well all go on for another six months or so at least and perhaps it's more than that 
Um, so <laughs> we're going to have to get really used to all these sort of things. So yeah. um, it's not going to be all over by Christmas, which is the famous phrase everyone yours use, likes to use. Yes. <laughs> Although, of course, your term will be over by Christmas. Oh, uh, yeah, at least. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, right. Well, thank you very much for this, uh, Hannah. It's nice to speak to you again. And it's nice to know that you're doing well in your course because I, I, it's something you really enjoy, isn't it? Yeah, I am. Um, I love this so much. And, um, you know, obviously it kind of being very different to what I'm used to, like um, London, especially like the amount of people you meet from all over the world and um, probably say the music that I like in particular it kind of it, it was maybe a, a fad 10 years ago but um in other places it's kind of um people like it still and I've met people that are a bit more like me really which has been really good I bet if you find if you look carefully I bet you find something like a real record shop or even more <laughs> than one around around where you, where you are now because that's the sort of thing which is really different and obviously there are places in the world where they still actually use records particularly rather than all the other more modern things as a way of actually uh, distributing music oh yeah definitely like um before unfortunately this job has um i've had to stop doing this job now because of covid but um i was working um like I said in the last podcast, I was working in warehousing and I was working for a music distribution company that um, specialised in um, vinyl records and um, even cassette tapes sometimes. So, um, you know, there's, there's st- there's, there are shops around for them and there's still definitely a, a, a trade for them. <laughs> well, I think cassettes are the ones which are sort of hiding in the background a bit. They're going to come out, come back again, I think. Um, I, I dug out my old Walkman the other day because there was actually, <laughs> we, we did a podcast about this, which was, um, it was, uh, I think, 40 years, was it, since the Walkman was invented? Oh, my word. <laughs> and basically, although it was obviously a tape player and so on, it was the first time you had a portable music player you could carry around with you. And uh, that obviously led on to the iPods and then everything else we do these days, streaming gizmos. Um, and so it was quite a revolutionary thing at the time. And um, the, the actual cassette thing, that, that sort of sparked people saying, oh, actually, that's quite good, really, you know, the cassette thing. And obviously, you can play quite a lot of music on it and you turn the tape over and play another half hour each time. It, it wasn't sort of as limited as maybe it feels. It's obviously a bit old fashioned, but hey, you know, these things are coming back now, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my tip for you have a good old <laughs> have a good play around with cassettes because they may be the next big thing you never know <laughs> i will thank you anyway well th- it's been lovely talking to you hannah so thank you for that and um, i wish you all the luck in your studies over the next uh, few months and uh, i'll speak to you again undoubtedly soon sometime thank you so much thank you for having me i'll uh, i'll speak to you soon Thank you. Right. OK, this has been the Generation Gap show from Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. And you can listen to these podcasts whenever you like, because they're all on the Radio Verulam website and all other good places where you can find your podcasts. And uh, don't forget to listen to Radio Verulam, of course. And this podcast is sometimes broadcast as programmes as well on Thursday evenings. So listen out for that as well. Thanks very much. <laughs>